Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe. Before I start today's chapter, a quick reminder that I have a new website, www.mythandhistory.co.uk. Go on down there and check it out, and also there you will find a donation button. You can either donate a one-off sum or donate monthly. If you donate a one-off sum of at least $10, then I will send you PDF copies of my three ebooks. If you donate a monthly sum of at least $2 a month, then I will send you the ebooks and also any ebooks that I write in the future. So, please go to www.mythandhistory.co.uk. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Legend of Beowulf, Chapter 4 The Guardian of the Horde. Beowulf and the Weathergeats sailed across the seas to their homeland. The journey home was entirely unlike that of Odysseus from Troy. There were no troubles, no shipwrecks, no sirens, no Scylla and Charybdis, no ten-year voyage. They made the journey easily and quickly, and soon they were in sight of familiar terrain. The ship sailed toward the land and docked effortlessly. The Geats were home. The harbour guard was waiting for them. Ever since the party had left, he had sat looking out over the sea, praying for the return of the mighty prince. He cheered with joy when he spotted the ship and rushed to meet the returning heroes. They were escorted to the hall of King Hygelac, each of the Geats carrying a huge stash of treasure. When they arrived, Harath's daughter gave the mead cup to each returning warrior in turn. King Hygelac, burning with curiosity, turned to Beowulf and spoke. Tell me of your adventures. Did you meet with good fortune? Did you rid Herot of the vile beast? I beg you I begged you not to take on this quest, and I am delighted to see you return safely to your home. Beowulf told the party of his adventures, of how he slew Grendel with his bare hands, of how he killed Grendel's mother with the giant sword, and took Grendel's head back to the Spear Danes. He recounted the joy of his hosts when they were rid of the monsters, and showed King Hygelac the wealth of treasures that the old king had given him and his comrades. Many of the prizes were handed to the King of the Geats, and in return he gave his nephew land, 7,000 hides, and a hall of his own. All was perfect in the land of the Geats, until Hygelac was killed in battle against the Franks. Beowulf tried to save his king, but in the end there were just too many of the enemy. The queen handed Beowulf the treasure of the kingdom, and the throne, as she decided that her own son, Heardred, was not up to the task. Beowulf, though, could not allow himself to lord over the son of his dead king, and so he refused the honour. Heardred decided to take on Onela, ruler of the Skilfings. Onela was a famous lord from the seacoast kingdoms of Sweden. Poor Heardred was killed in the battle, and, at last, this allowed the great Geat warrior to accept the throne. The kingdom was Beowulf's. Very soon he had taken revenge, and Onela was dead. Beowulf the king proved to be just as magnificent as Beowulf the warrior, Beowulf the saviour, and Beowulf the avenger. For fifty years he ruled over the Geats. He was just, fair, and compassionate. He was gentle with his people, but hard on his enemies. The land of the Geats was at peace in every one of Beowulf's fifty years in charge. But all good things come to an end. Half a century after becoming king, Beowulf, by now a very old man, heard some grave news. A dragon was guarding a hoard of treasure in a high barrow raised above the moor. A man had mistakenly entered the den of the giant fire-breathing lizard and brushed his hand against a golden goblet. Without thinking too carefully about what he was doing, the intruder snatched up the cup and ran off with it. Never had a more foolish theft taken place. 
The dragon, who had become accustomed to looking after his stash of goodies without any trouble, was to be made extremely angry by this accidental incursion and subsequent pilfering. There were heaps and heaps of treasure in the hoard, but the future troubles were caused by the taking of that single goblet. In another age, many, many years ago, a man had brought this pile of treasure to the place where the dragon found it and now guarded it. As he had deposited it, he spoke some sage words. Hold ground, this gold of the earls. Cowards they were who once took it, but war death took them. He said many more words about the magnificent of the gold and jewels, the armour and weapons, and then he bewailed the loss of the rest of his people. This man, sole survivor of his comrades, left the prize and wandered cheerlessly through days and nights until he could no longer draw breath. The last of his race was now dead, and all knowledge of the treasure went with him. Until, that is, the dragon found it. For three hundred years the dragon looked after his precious prize. For three hundred years he jealously sat in the barrow and looked for those who would encroach and rob. For three hundred years the hoard was unmolested, until a geat stumbled across it and nicked a goblet. The dragon awoke, and instantly knew that his wondrous pile had been disturbed. He knew every piece, every item, every artefact, and he was almost instantly aware that a goblet was missing. Flames erupted from his mouth as he looked around, trying to spy the thief. When it was clear the intruder was gone, the dragon bellowed with rage. After a minute or two, another feeling crept in. Theft meant war, and war was fun. With great difficulty, the dragon waited until the evening. When the sun began to set, he breathed more flames and swore he would regain his lost cup. When darkness fell, he roared and spat fire, and then he left the barrow. And then came the terror. The fire breather took off into the skies and vomited flames all over the land. He burnt dwellings and halls and all in his stead. All men were afraid, as it was clear the beast did not intend to leave anyone alive. Many geats were killed and many more were injured as the dragon ran amok through the land. Before the sun rose, the winged monster flew back to the barrow. He trusted the walls to keep him safe from attack by men. Beowulf soon knew of this disastrous threat. It would have been hard not to spot, given that one of the destroyed halls was his own. Beowulf wondered how he had angered God in order to be visited by such a terrible curse. He decided that whatever the cause may be, it was time to punish the fire breather for his actions. The king of the Geats gave orders for a marvellous ironworked shield to be made, as a wooden one would be no use against fire. He decided he was going to battle the dragon by himself. He had survived and been victorious in many, many battles. After all, hadn't he rid Herot of Grendel and his equally vile mother? Beowulf set off with eleven companions to have a look at his foe. The party picked up the cause of the trouble, the man who had stolen the goblet, and thus the party of thirteen made their way to the barrow. The cup thief, miserable and cowardly though he was, led the way as only he knew the whereabouts of the monster's lair. Beowulf made a great speech about his previous battles, and how, even as an old man, he would again prevail. His final words caused a huge round of cheering. Battles plenty I fought in my youth, he said. I will venture out once more, and again I shall achieve glory. Old though I am, I am guardian of my people. Should this vile beast venture from its earthen hall, I will destroy it. He then addressed each of the men. I will not battle against this creature without weapons, much as I would wish to. I will not flee. I will say no more words about the fight, but take it as God dictates. I will fight this fight alone. Be here waiting for whichever of us comes out alive. 
the champion of the Geats stood up behind his, beside his shield. He donned his chainmail and helmet and walked towards a stone archway. He could see flames licking the entrance and he knew the dragon lay somewhere on the other side. Beowulf screamed a terrifying battle cry. Deep inside the barrow, the horde guard heard the sound of human voice. This was no time for friendship, thought the monster, and he exhaled a huge flame. Above the barrow, the ground boomed. Above the ground, the valiant warrior king took out his sword, an ancient heirloom called nailing, a weapon blessed with the sharpest and deadliest of sharp deadly blades. He felt fear welling up in him. Little did he know that the dragon was experienced the same emotion, one that the beast was not accustomed to. The dragon left its lair. He knew he had to fight. Out he came, flames erupting from his mouth, and he launched himself at Beowulf. The shield, so sensibly fashioned from iron, lasted about as long as an ice cube in a furnace. The geat raised his sword and struck his enemy a mighty blow on its scaly patterned head. The blow met bone, but the dragon seemed unaffected. Well, not completely unaffected. Being hit on the head simply caused the thunderous beast to become even more angry than it had been before. Beowulf's sword had failed him. A little way away, the party of geats watched as their leader seemed to become encased in flames. They ran away to a nearby wood, eager to save themselves. They were both terrified and filled with sorrow. But one man could not stand by. A young, distant cousin of Beowulf, Wiglaf, grabbed his wooden shield. He remembered all that Beowulf had done for his family, and for the geats in general. He turned and addressed the rest of the men. I remember when we were taking mead, we bound ourselves forever to our gracious lord. He chose us to have this adventure with him. Even though he intended to take this mission on alone, he still chose to have me and all of you with him, knowing of our skills with the spear. Now he fights a terrible beast and he needs the strength of good fighters. We must go to him. We must help him for as long as he needs us or as long as we survive. I would rather die in the struggle alongside my lord than troop back to our people with my shield intact. Wiglaf put on his war helmet and strode towards his master. As he did so, he spoke a few words. Beloved Beowulf, bear all. You will never allow your glory to abate. Defend your life now and I will help. As soon as these words had been uttered, the dragon struck again. Wiglaf was engulfed in flames and his chainmail was no match for the enchanted fire. The young man was not perturbed and soon stood beside his master. Beowulf, feeling his strength return, swung the sword once more at the dragon's head. Again he hit, and again the blow was mighty. The blow, though, did little damage to the beast, but was fatal for nailing. The sword broke. The ancient blade had fought its last battle. The dragon struck for a third time. Breathing hot flames, he advanced towards the king of the Geats and seized his neck. Beowulf's lifeblood began to ebb away. Wiglaf, though, was not going to see his master die there and then without putting up a fight, and the young earl sprang into action. With boldness and strength that few knew he possessed, he swung his own sword. Seeing what had happened to Beowulf's sword when he struck the dragon in the head, Wiglaf aimed a little lower. The sword penetrated the fiery beast's body, and the heat of the flames diminished just a little. Beowulf recovered his wits, and the beast's grip slackened. He drew a stabbing knife from within his armour. He struck right through the serpent's body. Beowulf and Wiglaf continued to attack and began to get the upper hand. Within a few minutes, the two geats had overcome their deadly foe. The dragon was dead. Everyone could rejoice. 
Beowulf staggered away from the fight, clear in the knowledge that something was very wrong. He walked across to the edge of the barrow and sat on a ledge. The king looked at the giant work and saw the age-old earth hall properly for the first time. He saw stone arches anchored on pillars. They both stood and walked towards the sunlight. As soon as they were out of the barrow, Wiglaf strode over to be with his lord and unfastened Beowulf's helmet. Beowulf spoke. I would give all of my battle garments to my own son if I had one, but I don't. I have guarded my people for half a century. Not a single ruler of other peoples has dared wage war on me. I have been true and have never sworn a wrongful oath. In all of these things, even with this terrible wound, I still rejoice. The ruler of men cannot charge me with the slaughter of kinsmen. Go, Wiglaf. Look at the hoard of treasure under the grey stone now this terrible serpent lies dead. Quickly now, I would like to gaze on this golden inheritance, those clear, skilful jewels, before this wound takes my life. For Beowulf knew that his living self had little time left on the earth. He was badly burned, but it was not the flames of the dragon that had caused his fatal wound. There was poison in the serpent's bite, and, slowly but inevitably, it was having its deadly effect. Wiglaf did as he was told. When he saw the treasure, it took his breath away. There were golden drinking cups, vessels of a va vanished race. There were old tarnished helmets and heaps of twisted arm rings. All around, everything gleamed its golden gleam. The thane picked up a few of the most wondrous items and returned to his king. When he saw the magnificence of the treasures, the king of the Geats spoke once more. Thanks I give to God for these treasures. Thanks that I have been able to acquire them for my people before the time of my death. I have not long left, but these jewels and gold will serve my people well. Wiglaf, bid the men build me a tomb on the foreland by the sea. This will stand as a reminder to my people. Ocean travellers will see it from their ships, and shall name it Beowulf's Barrow. The king unclasped the golden collar from his neck and handed it to Wiglaf. You are the last of my kinsmen, he said. Each of my family has been lured to its fated end. Each earl through his valour. I must follow them. These were the last words the old king uttered. Beowulf was dead. Next time, we'll find out what happens after Beowulf's death. Until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.